Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Genesis chapter 41. Uh, Joseph has just made his proposal on what would be some good wisdom. God gave him an interpretation of a dream, but then Joseph spoke words of wisdom to the Pharaoh. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? So people see God in us. But he would have never seen it if Joseph had not spoken. See, sometimes, brothers and sisters, it takes the wisdom flowing out of us that allows people to see God in us. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. So he is now second in command. Now, now, brothers and sisters, look at this. He went from Ubuntu. He went down to a slave. He went down even farther to in jail. And now he's all the way back up off the stratosphere to second in command of the greatest empire in the world at that time. See, sometimes you have to understand the way up is down. <laughs> I know that one confused me the first time I heard it many, many years ago also, but sometimes the way up is down. Sometimes the path to our destiny doesn't lie in progressive advancement. Sometimes the path to our destiny is involved in a digression and then a great progression. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Now notice the signet ring. Wow. In other words, when he put that ring into the, the clay, that was Pharaoh's signature. He signed Pharaoh's name. And he made him ride on in his second chariot. This is second in command. And they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. So notice when you install a second, this is how. You have to give them authority. You have to make sure they look good. So appearance, appearance of wealth, and promotion. You have to promote the fact. So there is granting of authority. There is granting of appearance and wealth. And there is a promoting, and by that I mean like advertising, a, a making the news known. This is how you install a person in second chair. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zahath-Paniah, and he gave him in marriage Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land. During the seven plentiful years, the earth produced abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of those seven years which occurred in Egypt. 
and put the food in cities. And he put in every city the food from the fields around it. All right, so distribution. Distribution is decentralized. He didn't put it all in one place. He decentralized it. But now notice, this is the 20%. And remember the principle we learned yesterday. If we take 20% of the gross during the seven abundant years, that will be enough to get us through the seven hard years. Joseph stored up grain in great abundance, like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, the priest of On, bore them to him. And he called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. And the second he called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began to come. Now notice, they begin to come. Famine doesn't hit instant. There is a, a slow initiation. There was famine in all the lands, but in the land of Egypt there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, Go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe all over the earth. All right, so now we have a transfer of wealth from other nations to Egypt because they had enough food not only for their own people, they had enough because they saved 20% of the gross that came in they had enough to sell to others. And so a great transfer of wealth took place. This is why I always teach you, save in the good times, buy in the bad times. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? <laughs> These guys are not doers. And he said, behold, I've heard there is grain for sale in Egypt. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. I just like that. Why do you look at one another? You know, there's nothing worse than facing a problem and people to stand and look at each other. <laughs> All of us have seen people do that, Diba. Like, okay, there's a fire breaking out in the house. Grab a bucket of water and throw the water on it. I don't know. Should we? <laughs> so ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers, for he feared that harm might happen to him. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Now Joseph was governor of the land. He was the one who sold all the people of that land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Ah, dream fulfilled. Dream fulfilled. Remember the dream? Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from, he said. And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. Now, why would they not recognize him? Have you ever noticed that different clothes cause you to not recognize people? It is amazing to me how 
everybody recognizes me in a barong. But if I'm just wearing a t-shirt walking around in the shopping mall, people won't recognize me. Not, not everybody, some people, yes, but it's amazing. People recognize you by your clothes. Now, when you look at Joseph, he's completely shaved. There's no beards. They, they did not like beards and stuff in Egypt. The brothers had beards and everything, but Joseph was completely clean shaven, had on these beautiful Egyptian garments and probably the makeup that the Egyptians wore that highlighted their eyes and things. Big bling around his neck, the big gold chain. Yeah, they wouldn't have recognized him. Plus, as he grew older, he would have changed. Joseph recognized his brother, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed. Somehow those dreams have been forgotten. And so I want you to notice dreams forgotten, but still fulfilled. <laughs> God is faithful. Now, every one of us at some point in our life is going to look around and see something happen in our life. And we're going to realize, I remember when God promised that to me and I completely forgot about it. I completely forgot about it, but God did it anyway. Hmm. Faithful is he who promised. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to see the nakedness of the land. And they said to him, no, my Lord, your, your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. <laughs> your servants have never been spies. We are honest men. Really? And he said to them, we, your servants, are 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father and one is no more. <laughs> I'm sitting in front of you, but you don't know it. But Joseph said to them, it is as I said to you, you are spies. By this you shall be tested, by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested. Ah, words must be tested. Whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. Now, now brothers and sisters, you don't like to be cynical, but sometimes you have to test people's words. You know, people will just make up all kinds of things when they think that they're caught, when they've been challenged. They'll make up all kinds of things. Don't make decisions based on people's words. Joseph had no idea that he really had a younger brother. Okay, he was the bunso, right? Now he's no longer the bunso. Sometimes you have to learn to test people's words. And I don't want you to ever learn to be cynical. And we always want to be trusting. But you know, there are people like we read earlier in, in Psalms, there are people that are just a generation of liars. And they look at you and they open wide their eyes and they just lie to you. And because you're honest and you're trusting and you tell the truth, you just think they do too. Now, he had no idea whether this is true or not, whether he had a younger brother. And so he said, I want your words to be tested. I want those words to be tested. Learn to test people's words. And he put them all together in custody for three days. And the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. Wow. He identifies with God. So I want you to notice 
his faith in God was not persecuted in Egypt because they recognized God was in him. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody and and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households. And bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Now notice, we're still testing words. They said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we would not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us, reaping and sowing. Now I want you to notice guilt affects our thoughts. You know, one of the things that you learn in life is that people who live in guilt, you can, you can listen to the guilt coming out of their words. They, they see their past actions as the cause of everything that happens to them in life because they live in guilt. And Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against this boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. Ah, so now we have finger pointing. <laughs> and folks, this is years and years and years and years later. Okay, we're talking decades later. And they're still finger pointing over that one tragedy. See, that sin they did became a pivot point in the relationship with the brothers. Let me say that again. That thing they did became a pivot point. Joseph's sale. That sin they did became a pivot point in their relationship as brothers. And now everything else in their life goes back to that and the finger pointing. You know, at some point, you have to learn to let forgiveness fall. At some point, you have to learn to ask and receive forgiveness. And you have to learn to give forgiveness when asked. Otherwise, one total stupid, sinful day can change a family forever. They did not know that Joseph understood them. (laughs) For there was an interpreter between them. They didn't know he understood It's amazing what people will say in front of you when they don't think you understand. It is absolutely amazing. And sometimes they say things just to check and see if you understand. Then he turned away from them and wept. And he returned to them. Okay, yeah, this hurt. It hurt. It hurt to hear. He began to understand things he didn't know about what happened on that day. Okay, let me say that again. He began to understand things that he did not even know happened on that day. He didn't know that Reuben had stood up for him. He didn't know this. And he returned and spoke to them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey, and this was done for them. Then he loaded their donkeys with grain, and they departed. As one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money in the mouth of the sack. And he said to his brothers, My money has been put back here in the mouth of the sack. At this his heart failed them. And they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? (laughs) 
guilt causes us to blame God and misinterpret good. Joseph put this back to be a blessing to them. But they blamed God and they called it bad. That's what guilt. See, guilt makes you see wrong is right and right is wrong. Good is bad and bad is good. Guilt is a weird thing. When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, The man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. But we said to him, We are honest men, and we have never been spies. We are twelve brothers, sons of our father, one is no more, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me, and take grain for the famine of your household, and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me, then I shall know that you are not spies, but honest men, and I will deliver your brother to you, and you shall trade in the land. As they emptied their sacks, behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. Now notice, Jacob, their father, said to them, said to them, said to the brothers, you have bereaved me. So Jacob blamed the brothers. This is a family in horrible strife. Remember, the whole pivot point, the whole pivot point changed everybody's attitudes in the family. Then Reuben said to the, his father, Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead. He is the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you are to take, you would bring my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol. Now, I want us to stop here for just a minute. Some of you in your families, there's one, I just say it blunt, there's a sin that your family committed. And forgive me, you you all did this together. Maybe some of you spoke up against it, but you all did that one mm, together. And you don't understand that, that that became a pivot point in your family. The finger pointing, the guilt, the misinterpretation of events, the parents blaming the sons. All of this is like reading your family story. Now, you don't have to live like that. If you will come before God, ask God's forgiveness for the family sin. Sit down as individual members of the family and talk about what we did was wrong. The things we said was wrong. The actions we took were wrong. You know what? God forgives and you can forgive each other. And you can go on and have a wonderful destiny. But if you keep that thing, like like this, like David said, when I hid sin in my heart, when I kept it in my heart, it was like rottenness in my bones. This, this is like rottenness in a family bone, in a family. A, a family sin becomes like rottenness in a family. And it destroys all the relationships. Now we have a God who forgives. That's the beauty of it all. 
even even Jonah didn't like God because God, I knew you'd do this. I know that you're forgiving. What a beautiful truth. God, I know that you're forgiving, but Jonah didn't like it. <laughs> oh, we should like that. If your family made a decision together to do something wrong, maybe if you spoke up against it, but you as a family made a decision to do something wrong, and that thing still haunts you to this day, why don't you have a family meeting and ask God's forgiveness? All of you sit there and face the fact that what we did was wrong. If it needs to have some restitution made, then go make restitution, go make it right. But then be free of this thing in Jesus' name. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. He's our rescuer.
New Testament passage today picks up in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, beginning with verse 21. Sister Bev bought me some new glasses the other day. She says she's tired of me reading with one eye closed. So I'll try some new glasses. You know, when you get older, they make the print smaller, but that's the nice thing about a computer. You can keep making it bigger. Matthew 16, beginning with verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples from that time that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes to be killed and be on the third day be raised. All right, so it was important for them to know. No surprises. Have you ever noticed how often in Scripture when there's difficult times ahead, like with Paul going to Jerusalem, God makes sure we know about some difficult days ahead of time? No surprises. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This will never happen to you. And he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Now notice, was was Peter Satan possessed? No, but these were the words of temptation. Do you think that Jesus just looked forward every day to these sufferings? Do you think Jesus got up every day going, mm, one day closer to dying on the cross? Mm, one day closer to getting the skin peeled off my back? Mm, one day closer to having nails driven through my hands? Don't you think that Jesus lived with this thing every single day of his life? As they walked into Jerusalem and they saw the people hanging on crosses, on the roads outside of Jerusalem, which was a very common thing for the Romans to do, as they saw crucifixions, which Jesus had seen his whole life. Don't you know that in Jesus's heart, he knew the pain that was ahead of him? So he looks at Peter and said, ah, Peter, this is temptation. You know, Satan offered me the, the, the throne without the cross. Satan offered me the crown without the cross. This is temptation. Now notice, Temptation flows from setting your mind on the things of man, not the things of God. You know what I found in my short life? A lot of temptations just never come to your life that other people have if you keep yourself focused on what God asks you to do. You know, as an average church member, yes, you have to go to work. Yes, 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 yes. But, you know, if you're involved in connect groups, you're involved in feeding the poor, you're involved in crusades, you're involved in the Great Commission, you're, you're involved in the work of God. Have you ever noticed that you don't face all the temptations that everybody else faces? It's, it's not like you're holier than anybody else, but you do have your mind on the things of God, not the things of Satan. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So there's three things that have to happen there. You have to deny yourself. You have to deny what you want in life. This is my dream. You have to take up your cross. That's not Jesus's cross. That's what is the destiny? What is the plan that God has for your life? And you have to follow Jesus. You have to do this. Now, again, Many people think they're taking up their cross and they think they're following Jesus, but they didn't do the first one first. See, 
arrogance enters into people's lives. Pride enters into people's lives. And they begin to say that this is God's will. And they're destructive to the work of God. They're destructive to the people of God because they've never denied themselves first. Mm. Meditate on that one for a while. You have to come in sequence. It has to be done in sequence. Until you deny yourself, you can fool yourself to think that something is God's will for your life. You can fool yourself to think that you're following him. But first you have to say no to what you want in life. Whoever will save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, not, not just because you're being silly, will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now, notice, you can get really rich and go to hell. Now, now please forgive me. Some of you young, young business people, all right? You know what? There is no limit to what you can do. I mean, there is just no limit to what you can accomplish. But you know what? So what? So what? You're worth a gazillion pesos, but you forfeited your soul. This life is only going to last 70 years or more for good behavior, so to speak. What's the point? You know, folks, yes, God wants us to have a prosperous and a good life. But you know what? To gain the whole world and lose your soul, that's not logical. I would much rather have less in this life and have treasure laid up in heaven. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. Wow. Promised rewards. So, when Jesus returns, he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now, that's just not judgment. That's also rewards. So reward and judgment. Promised. Now, if you're doing sin, okay, you're going to be repaid according to what you've done. But if you preach the gospel, if you fed the poor, if you've helped people, Jesus will repay. There is a reward according to what you have done. Not according to what you've talked about. And please, straight talk. Not according to what you've Instagrammed or Facebooked about. and Look at the great things I've done, but it was really a small thing. But in the, in the picture, it makes it look bigger. You know, forgive me. The things you have done. What you have accomplished for the kingdom. Hmm. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Hmm. There's a question mark for you. And I've read lots of explanations of that verse, and I've never seen one that I really understand yet. I mean, they may be right, but it still doesn't make sense to me. Chapter 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with them Peter, James, and John, his brother. This is the inner circle. You see this group referred to quite often. They're the inner circle. And led them up on a high mountain by themselves. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, in all the years of Israel, I've never been there. We drive by it three or four times every year, but I've never been up there. I think one day we're just going to take a little side trip. 
Now, it's, it's a hard walk up there. You can't get the buses up there. But I, I think one year I'm just going to go up there and just see what it's like. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, this is Feast of Tabernacles. This is why he offered this. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Now, here is the Father with the Son. And notice he said, um, listen to him. So I want you to notice what the Father actually said to Peter. Peter is talking, and the Father said, be quiet and listen. Now, you know what I've learned in my life? When I get around great men, I don't talk much. When I get around great servants of God, I don't talk much. I say little. Because I keep thinking, you know, Peter, you're a doer. And I get Peter because I'm, I'm like Peter. I'm a doer. Let, let's go do something. But sometimes there's nothing to do. Sometimes the best thing to do is to listen and learn. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> That's why when people tell me that they've seen God, I say, well, what happened when you saw God? Oh, I just danced before him and rejoiced before him. And I said, yeah, you didn't really see God. Maybe you ate too much balut. Have you noticed every time you see people that really had, and again, this is what, what we keep calling a theophany, these people who had an encounter with the reality of God, have you ever noticed that they were on their faces and very humbled? <laughs> I hear people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to run up and jump on God's lap and give him a big hug. No, I think when we see him in all his glory, we're going to bow with our faces to the ground and worship like we've never worshiped before in humility before his greatness. Jesus came up and touched them, saying, Rise, have no fear. But when they lifted their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. <laughs> I like that. The whole thing was over now. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. Okay, so some things we don't talk about. now but later yes and the disciples ask him then why do the scribes say that elijah must come first now remember the scribes are the guys who copied the scrolls so they know the bible quite well and he answered elijah does come and he will restore all things but i tell you that elijah has already come and they did not recognize him but did to him whatever they please so also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands Jesus is referring to John the Baptist. Then the disciples understood. He was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So finally they began to understand how this whole thing fits together. Now, close with this thought on this. Have you ever noticed that learning continues 
at all times? They'd been with him for how long, and they're just now understanding that John the Baptist was Elisha to come. A little bit of wisdom to close out with today. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning with verse 18. The path of the righteous, I love that, is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. I like that. Our guidance unfolds. You know, this morning we've watched it get light outside again. Cloudy days, it doesn't get quite as light and we miss the sun, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Have you ever noticed that once dawn begins, it doesn't stop? It's just this force that comes forth and nothing holds back the dawn in the same way. That's your guidance in life. Once it begins, it will continue to unfold. All right. Once it begins, it will continue to unfold and shines brighter and brighter until the full day. God's guidance for your life will continue to unfold until you see clearly everything that God wants from you. The way of the wicked, now the way, remember, this is what motivates them. Remember the way of the wicked, the motives, the motivations of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Wow. So they will stumble. And they don't even know what they fell over. That's the way of the wicked. Now, this is why I tell you, don't fight with people that fight you. Don't fight. Why? Because they're going to stumble over their own ways. They always do. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know over what they stumble. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter. So sometimes you just sit back and let everything unfold. This is what God says is going to happen. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. All right, this is God's words. God's words are life and God's words are healing. Now, some of you this morning, you're sick in your body and we've already prayed for your healing. But you know what? The word of God is healing to all their flesh. Now, it doesn't do any good to take your big Bible and lay it on you and say, oh, let healing flow. That doesn't work. What works is you sit down and read it. You're sick in your body today. Spend time reading. When I'm sick and my body is struggling with things, I just sit down and start reading the Gospels over and over again. Just reading the miracles of Jesus. Just reading this about this wonderful Savior. He's the living word. So I'm reading the word about the living word. And healing comes to our flesh. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock sharp, as we continue. Romans.